You're listening to the Oracle Podcast, where your story matters. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Oracle Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Amoa. And uh, before I get to the guests and talk to you about who's featuring and sharing their story on the podcast, a um, long time ago, I took a lot of questions from uh, the Oracle Instagram page. People sent in a bunch of questions. I'm going to answer one of them. Uh, one of the questions I got was, how is life after university grad? Um, I've been out of college now for this is my second year, a year and like over six months. Um, life is hard. Life is hard. Anyone will tell you that. Um, but I think the biggest challenge that comes is you no longer have to just take. Now you have to give. Um, you know, when you're a student, you're always just taking, you're taking down lectures, taking information, uh, events are put on for you, etc. And now it switches once you become in the professional field or you work. Um, you're the one that's having to give to other people. You're serving more constantly and intentionally, and like that's what you're paid to do, and that drains you. You know, um, I remember like it'd be more draining because of all the stuff that people are giving me, right? All the knowledge, but now it's more draining from all the stuff you're giving to people. So that's the change. I think that's a big shift, and um, I can go into that another time. But um, the biggest thing is a change from receiving to constantly giving, and I think that's what you need to be prepared for. Uh, because you're going to have to give up way more. And if you're not ready to do that, it makes you question a lot. Um, but uh, God's good. And I think I've been blessed with my job and my line of work. And I love what I do. Um, let's talk about the person who's featuring on the episode, Danielle Matuk, uh, a girl I went to high school with, St. Peter's High in Orleans, Ottawa, Ontario. And uh, she was a huge uh, Jesus fan, she still is, but um, that's what I remembered about her back in school, and it always stood out to me about her, and I thought it'd be amazing for her to share her story, and so uh, thank you so much, Daniela, for taking time to share, and I hope it inspires you guys to know your story. Remember, if you have anyone in mind, or if you want to share your story on the Oracle Podcast, contact us at the Oracle on Instagram, on Facebook, um, DM me personally, text me. And I would love to feature you and learn more about who you are so you can share what Jesus has done for you to inspire others to know what Jesus has done for them. Thank you guys for tuning in. Stay blessed. Okay. Um, hello. Uh, my name is Daniela Matuk. I'm a psychology student, psychology and neuroscience student at, at uh, the University of Carleton. And right now I work as a student mentor and a TA and part-time at a gym. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Daniela. Thank you for coming on the Oracle podcast. Yeah. Um, big shout out to uh, Daniela because um, all the listeners, my context of how I know her, it's not just a random person. Um, I went to high school, uh, St. Peter's Catholic High School in Orleans, Ontario, Orleans, Ottawa. Um, and uh, I always remember, I think I'm really happy to talk to her about this because I do remember her uh, being like a, someone who was really into Jesus. And I think that was kind of surprising for me Daniela, because um we went to catholic high school um but like people were just i don't even know if really anyone who was actually a practicing catholic i only knew like few people and so um for someone to actually just be christian or someone just to be proud 
uh, Christian or proud Jesus follower in our school. That was like that was really impressive. Yeah, I mean, I I think it was interesting too because around the time we had met was probably around the time that I had kind of found. Okay, hold on. Sorry, give me a second. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, no. So I think around actually the time you and I met. When was it? I think the first time we talked was when I was in grade ten, which was probably around the same time that I guess you could say I found my faith or I started like my walk with with Jesus, with Christ, and stuff. And like you said, it, it was hard because in that like suburban kind of town, no one really was. I think it was still like a taboo even in a Catholic school. Like we just all went to a Catholic school because it was the biggest one in the district. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so people kind of knew that about me because I was just, I would talk about it a lot and I had like started my faith and stuff in a way that like, I would just be like, hey, what are you doing on Friday? Come to church. Hey, come to youth group. Hey, I was just very like, really trying, like, cause I was so amped about it. So yeah, like I, I think that that's what it was. I think the first time we talked actually was me like inviting you to youth group. Yeah, I think so. I was, yeah, I think so. I think yeah. that was one of our first conversations. Yeah. Yeah, I know, because, yeah, that's huge, because, like, I mean, I remember I've been going to church as a seven-day Adventist forever, my whole life, um, and even for me, I was super nervous, and I'm thankful that all the times I did invite my boys, like, they came through, or, or my any of my friends who I invited, they would come, but, like, I was always so, like, kind of nervous to talk about mm-hmm. it, because it was, like you're saying, it was like a taboo thing, like, no one was ever really, like man, I love Jesus, and, like, oh, man, I'm struggling with this thing about Jesus. Like, there's just not a conversation you ever have, ever, yeah. in high school. Yeah, and, it, and it's hard. It's hard, too, when you kind of are walking that that walk of faith alone because it's, there are going to be days where you're, like, tested in your faith, and then your friends will just be like, what's wrong with you today? And it's just like, oh, yeah, you don't want to be the one who's like, oh, do you ever feel like, you know, the devil's trying you today? Or you're yeah. very, it just doesn't <laughs> like make sense walking. really to anyone else. You're deep in the water. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think too, like with me at St. Pete's, I wasn't really that popular. So it's just like I had my few close friends and stuff. So I didn't really care at that point anyway, because anyone I'd meet, it, I was just kind of more transparent about it, I think, because it, it was something that was so new in my life. And I think that that feeling of something being so new and so kind of important to me and, and whatever, I just wanted to share it to, with anyone I like wanted to know, the few people that I wanted to know anyway, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. So did you ever feel like um, you ever um, had, like, negative feedback for your Christianity, especially in high school? Oh, for sure. I think in high school, yeah. Because it's not, like, again, like, it was something that was that was different. Like, it, it was hard, I think, too, when you're a teenager and you're in grade 10 and you're kind of, because I was coming from the South, right? Like, I wasn't coming. I didn't, like, grow up in the Burbs in Orleans. So I was probably maybe I think like you remember a majority of our school was tended to be like white middle class and then there was like portion that was black and I there were few Arabs right so I was already coming in kind of okay like I, I didn't really know where I where I fit in and then and then that walk of faith was just so new and then yeah I think like people around didn't really understand or there's just you know like you said you're like I just remember you in high school being amped for Jesus because it was just when people would talk to me they're like oh how was your weekend or hey do you want to come to this party and I was just like no like I have church on Friday and they're like Friday like (laughs) you know isn't that something you do on a Sunday and and yeah so I think there was like a stigma that's attached to it and there was always a negative stigma right and I think that that's just the world view on it um which I, which I think for, for many reasons, some, some of it being justified as well too, right? Like people have preconceived notions about evangelicals or about 
Christians in general, right? Because I never wanted to also feel like I was someone who was going to be like judgmental too, um, to people like, you know, just being regular teenagers. Like I was a regular teenager. Like I went to parties. I wanted to drink. I experimented. I did all of that. Right. So it was, it was, it was definitely hard for me too. Cause sometimes I was just like, Oh, like, I don't know. But when people would see me as that, you know, people tell me all like the time they're like, yeah, we just remember you from St. Pete. You were the girl who like loved Jesus. And I was just like, Oh, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's almost, I don't want to say it sucks because you don't want to say like, oh, I was embarrassed about it or, or whatever, which which I don't think I, like I was, but it was it's just it's weird how labels like attach themselves and how people like will have that preconceived notion, but at the same time, like it's it's never really like when I talk to people, they're like, yeah, you were like nice or you were this, you know, it, it was never really like they remember me being like the Christian that was, you know, shoving it down people's throats or like in the halls, you know what I mean? It was just more something that. I was open about and mm-hmm. yeah, but definitely, definitely too. Yeah. I think like, obviously there was a negative stigma. I think for you as well too. Right. I mean, it was, in your, yeah, no, it was tough. Cause like, I remember, um, especially I think all man, like I always like really like sketch about, um, talking about my religion much. Like I didn't really talk about it to people. Like my boys knew that like I was Seventh-day Adventist and I go to church Friday night, Saturday, but like I didn't I'd talk about like my faith that much. Um, sometimes they would come with me, uh, you know, like Shania and Canes would come with me often. Uh, but like um, a big thing I found was I was always conflicting with our chaplain or whenever I had Bible class, like we did like, you know how we had to take a religion every year? Um, yes, yes. And I was always beefing with everybody or like in bio class when we talked about evolution. And I was like always ready to, to like argue so crazy, right? And um, it was so strange. And that was like the biggest time. And I remember we were in like chemistry or bio class and somebody said something. And like, I was like, well, um, I do believe that like Adam and Eve and there was like a talking snake. And then like, someone's like, you're just a Bible thumper. And I was like, yo, what the, I'm like, no, I'm not going to talk that? about, I can't remember. Yeah. I didn't, I can't remember who said it was. And I was just like, I don't even want to talk about like Christian stuff anymore. Like I was so embarrassed. And like, I was like, no, I'm done. So like, you know what? Like I'm, I'm really, like, I wish like my, my testimony was that like, I was a super bold Christian. Like I think. I tried my best to live as, like, a nice person, but, like, to be mm-hmm. someone who was proud of my faith, I don't know if that was my, uh, like, my um, definition or how people remember me. Oh, like, well, Ben was, like, a really good Christian. No, I don't think anyone would ever say that. But, like, I was nice to people. I tried to be, but... Yeah. You know? So I'm, I, think I, that, I think that's and I'm I awesome. think that that's it, too. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I think that, that that's what I mean. Like, people are just like, oh, yeah, like... I, I, and I mean, I think part of the reason why people kind of could recall us for that is like, I'm glad to be like, oh, yeah, you were really nice or oh, yeah, you were this. But I think my thing, too, was that like on Facebook and stuff, I would always like post about it, especially like active on statuses on Facebook and stuff. I would always be like Bible verses or, um, you know, yeah. if there was like an extended worship night or something like mm-hmm. I would just put it up. So I think that, you know, it's everything you put on social media to kind of follows you in that sense. And yes. especially in high school. Um but yeah, no, I get it. Cause exactly. Cause like you want to, you wanted to get into debates too, but I think, I think it's conflicting when you are a teenager too, and, and you believe what you believe, but like in high school, there's, there's also not as much room for nuance as there is like, as you get into the post-secondary world of academia where I have like, you know, where, scho- where you enter this world of scholarship and, and it becomes an ongoing debate 
throughout the years, right? If you're entering even in sociology, philosophy, like theology, there's a lot more room for people to, because you'll find more people have your views and then you'll find more opposing views. And, yeah. and it's actually encouraged to have these debates as opposed to like high school when you're a teenager, you say one wrong thing, like that will follow you. That will follow uh, no, you. No, no, you're right. Haunt you. it, it will really haunt you. And, and it sucks when you're a kid because, Honestly, teenagers are awful. No, it's true. It's true. And I think you're right. Like, I guess when you're a teenager, when you're in high school or middle school, whatever, most people don't even have their own thoughts formed. And so, like, if you are a Christian where we teach, like, in our churches and in in Bible studies, et cetera, like, kind of more, I'll give you opportunities to have uh, your own standing or to have more knowledge that's taught outside of school. Um, it's hard to relate it back to people who aren't learning these things because they're just they're not even there or like they're, they're not thinking about things like that. So to talk about things is like, you're like, man, like, how can I talk about it? Exactly. And I think it's, it's worse to go it like for us having gone to a Catholic school because people are going to have those preconceived notions and associate like, Christianity and faith automatically with what was going on in the Catholic school, right? Like these masses were a drag. Uh, every morning we had yes. to make sure we were there for prayer. Like, you know, we had our chaplain or like our sister prior to doctor, like, you know, our, our chaplain at that time, you know, so it was, it was also like also the whole idea of like confession and stuff. So, you know, people are already associating it with like, it's a very traditional ritualistic kind of way of doing things. And, and Christian becomes an umbrella term within that, right? So I think in Catholic school, two people didn't understand because already they're just like, oh, Catholic, drag. Yes, you yes, know what I mean? yes, yes, yes. No, you're, yeah. you're right. Because like, I think yeah. most people thought that um, whatever their view of uh, our our masses uh, or our our prayer that we did every morning um, when we had to stand there after old Canada still standing, everything we did, they just thought that I was just doing that on another day. And so like, I think they just thought I was always exactly. doing something really strange or weird. Exactly, exactly. And it's funny too, because I think too with you, it's like being seventh day and then it's, oh yeah, it's no church is on a Saturday. You know what I mean? So people are just like, what? Like you yeah. were like, so, five times so weird. Yeah, to them. And that's what I mean. It's, it, you know, I, I look back and it's like, yeah, since it, it was frustrating, I guess you could say, but at the same time, I, I, I don't blame it because like, it had been foreign to me, like in grade seven, grade eight as well, right? When I wasn't going to church and all that stuff. Like, it, I, like, looking back, if I were to put myself in that position, of course, it would be foreign to me as well, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you'd be like, what do you mean you go to church like five times a week? What do you mean? <laughs> you no, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, how did your faith start? How did you become a Christian? How did that all begin for you? Um, so I didn't grow up necessarily Christian, like my family, um, back home. Um, yeah, they're, they're like Maronite, I guess you can say, uh, they're part of a small like sect, uh, in, in Syria, which is like a Catholic minority. Um, but when my parents came to Canada, they didn't really like, yeah, like we, you know, would go to church, um, Easter and, um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. We'd go to church, uh, Easter and Christmas. Um, but yeah, I think it didn't really start until, uh, my mom actually got diagnosed with cancer and then a friend of hers who had gone to a Christian church kind of like brought her, um, kind of like my mom went through like a very like existential crisis cause she got sick very young. Like she got sick in her early thirties. So I think it was really hard for her like being that young and kind of getting the prognosis that she did. Um, 
And yeah, one of her friends, uh, her long-term friends started bringing her to church. Um, long story short, like my mom essentially got saved, found Christ there. And I think like my mom really, really wanted us to find God once she did, of course. Um, but like, I was still fairly young. Like I remember being like, you know, 12 at this time. And my sister was maybe like 16, 17. My brother was a little bit older too. Um, so it just kind of became something that we would do for her. Like we would go to church every Sunday and then, you know, it, it kind of became like a support group at that same time because we had made the move to move to Orleans like shortly after. Um, and then, you know, I didn't really have friends in Orleans. Like, again, I didn't really like fit in cause we were coming from the South, which was like a tight knit Arab community um, to go to Orleans where like we didn't, you know, new neighbors. Like I didn't really know anyone. I didn't hang out with anyone. Like my nights were kind of spent like in the hospital with my mom. So I kind of started going to church cause I was like, I didn't really have anything else to do. <laughs> mm, mm. And yeah. So I remember sitting there like on Sunday and I, I would meet like some of the girls around my age. Um, and they were just like, Oh, like you should come to like junior high, like youth group. So that's kind of what, um, sparked it for me in terms of like started to go to church because it it actually became more of a place that I I developed friendship um and then it was like after my mom passed away I was a little bit like resilient about it because I just wasn't sure but at the same time that curiosity was kind of still in my mind um because I'd seen like a huge transition in my mom um kind of this like unwavering peace somewhere between it um which which was fascinating in, in a way of like, oh, like, you know, how could someone who is dying so young kind of find peace, like nearing the end, mm -hmm. you know? So I kind of did like my own self exploration through that. And, and I think that, you know, that peace, like that peace eventually inevitably found me on those like Friday nights at youth group. Cause I would, I would look forward to it. Like I would just sit there and then like, yeah. And then I started at St. Pete's, um, grade eight, grade nine. And like, I, it took me a while to kind of have friends. I was kind of like that weird girl with glasses and braces. Like, didn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Didn't really know where, where I belong, but I was like, Oh, you know what? I can, you know, high school sucks, but if I can just make it to Friday, like I'll be okay. Cause I'll see my friends. And this was a place that to me was very accepting, kind of let me in was kind of, you know, my escape. Um, and building that community, um, kind of, made me build like a like that community of faith which kind of made me have faith and I and I don't remember like I don't have some sort of pivotal like testimony like something that's testimonial in terms of a moment in time where it clicked for me it was more just something that I was observing throughout a long period of time that eventually I couldn't deny right that it was something that I was feeling something that I wanted to be there and I was like okay like you know like I I feel like this is real like this is peace this is comfort this is kind of refuge amidst like me not belonging being a teenager being you know having transition like having lost my mom having lost like my community that I grew up with in the south you know like it was amidst all of that kind of tough time and, and tough transitional period there was something that like I could feel that I was just like taken care of um and yeah and then it was like when I was a couple of years later it was like grade nine I was like no yeah like I am you know totally like like recognized like yeah this, this, there's something more out there there's something greater there's God there's Jesus like he loves me I'm taken care of I love him mm -hmm. and yeah and, and then I really like became confident in that and it just kind of moved me and so, so yeah would you say that like 
Um, it was community um, and a good church community that helped you uh, take grasp of what Christianity is? I think so. I think there was, you know, it's it's always that aspect of, of something different, right? That I think that the feeling of community and, and really observing people actually being there the mm-hmm. way they're supposed to, right? It, it was, again, it was something that was observational, because you hear about Jesus, you learn about Jesus, like, you know, we'd sit there in the pews and learn about, like, this God who loves us, and sometimes they would, you know, the sermon would be so kind of relatable or, or something to what you were going through that I was like, okay, this can't be coincidental, but at mm-hmm. the same time, it's like, okay, to see it in practice, to see these friends, to, like, to see people come together and really worship, and to see people, like, show you grace, show you kindness, show you love, like, show you acceptance show you like it's not you know this isn't a place to be like judge you know just to feel safe amongst that it was I think that that community really was what sparked me because to see it you know I saw it in my mom I saw it in one person so I was just like you know maybe that that's just you know her her I guess you'd say experience with it maybe that's just like one you know how can I put this kind of relative from the norm right (laughs) but when you start to see it in a bigger context when you start to see all these people who love God and, and are really trying and it's just like, Oh, these people are nice. These people are fun. Like mm-hmm. it, it, you know what I mean? Like I could see the hands of feet in Jesus through people and I could see God really using people around me and like moments in my life that I would see God through the actions of others, through the observations of others, which I thought was really nice. No, that's, um, that's really inspiring. And I think um, it is true that um, yes, uh, relationship with God is you and God, but some of the things that strengthen us and help us discover them even more, the people that are around us or the groups that are Christian groups or these communities of community of believers that allow us to connect with them more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't want to say that, you know, just the act of something tangible necessarily makes it real, right? Because the act of faith is also like having faith in what we can't see, but to see it in practice to me it's, and, and these aren't people who are perfect by like no means no one's perfect, you know, but it's just these people that are like very honest, very transparent about their, their walk being like, yeah, like I'm a human. Yeah, I mess up sometimes. Yeah, I do this. But despite that, like, you know, despite what they've been through and the challenges they see, I see them always trying to turn to a way of love. And I was and that to me was I was like, yo, this is awesome. You know, like mm-hmm. this is like kind of where I felt like I belong. This is, you know, <laughs> no worries sorry uh yeah no so so that was i think to me it was definitely what brought me to faith was definitely the community of faith and the community of love where i could see it in practice and i felt like i belonged and within that like i you, you it's clear that you find god in the little things right like some people find god in worship and music and i i definitely found it in fellowship um or found him in fellowship i could say so um. And so then, um, moving forward, have you fe- have you feel like um, that worship community has always been the same, or like I guess what I'm, I'm what I'm kind of leading up to ask you is like, what do you do then when that kind of changes, when the dynamic of that community changes? How do you have that relationship with God? Because um, like I, a big thing that Christians will struggle with is um, they have this community that's really good, really thriving. It brings them closer to God. They have a community. But then sometimes the community changes, right? It's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have mm-hmm. to move or someone moves or a, a key leader moves. Like what happens then? 
How do you adjust? I mean, to me, one thing I learned about in growing, it's, it's very easier when you're young, right? Because when you're young, there, there is like this footloose kind of freeing aspect where we don't, we, we jump into everything head first and we're so trusting with everything we hear. But when we become older, like you say, and we're able to observe like, okay, like, you know, there are some communities that, that you say go through a change or you actually just change differently. God, you know, calls you to, to be somewhere else or, you know, and I think for me, that was a huge struggle the past couple years in my like spiritual life was when I, you know, cause you were, I had taken a hiatus from school after high school to university. And then when I jumped back, like leaped back into university, kind of dove into this realm of like academia and, and thought and scholarship. And that, you know, that was more, I guess you would say that that wasn't all like Christian, right? Like you mm-hmm. start to dive, you start to explore. Um, it was hard because I could look at the community or I could look at the church and I could start to pinpoint things that I, you know, as you become older, you're not a kid. So you start to question things. So you start to question like, well, is this biblical? Well, is this, yeah. you know, are, are there incongruencies? And when you start to see those incongruencies, you can start to be like, oh, you know, but to me, like how I counteract is I do have to remember that, you know, like pe- people like they're, they're imperfect, right? You're not always going to agree. You're not always going to, and we see it within the church churches, right? Which is why there's like so many split denominations. No one can agree on these different like doctrines and people have different ideas and people have, you know, people debate within the church and we can see it like literally tear churches apart and tear communities apart. So my thing about it is it's, it's hard, but I think how I deal is I personally need to go back, like take a step back and, and, and feel it within like my heart, my soul. And like, what the Bible is telling me. If I feel like there are actions that are incongruent with those of the way, like what Jesus was saying, how Jesus was acting, then I'm going to have to probably question that. Like, you know, a, a prime example, like for me anyway, was it's hard, right? It's hard with two, with like a lot of the way evangelicals are going with this like alt-right kind of conservative way of living, right? Like to me, it, it doesn't make sense, like in terms of social welfare, in terms of people who don't want to like, let's say, a lot of conservative politics talk about being like fiscally conservative as well as like, you know, saving on paying taxes and no, like, but to me, like that's a big part is giving back to the poor. Right. So, you know, Mm. you go back. So I have to take a step back and be like, okay, is this, is this biblical? You know? And I had a professor who actually was talking about um, Jesus in terms of like in a more, I guess you could say historic as a historical figure. And one prime thing he said, he was like, you know, Jesus was a radical socialist in a sense, and that like he really like tried to take on this like political uprising on behalf of like the meek and the poor and do everything he could to like for the lesser of these. And I thought that that was very interesting because as an academic, he's not a Christian. Um, but for him to say that really kind of was like, wow, like it, it is true. If we're going to look at Jesus as a historical figure, he was someone who you know, he wasn't really always trying to do the most comfortable thing. He did a lot of like things that were seen as uncomfortable or radical, I guess you could say out of like radical love and, you know, on behalf of like taking care of the lesser of these and the people in society who who were ostracized at that time. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's, it's, 
you have to like, as you grow up, you have to challenge and that's how you learn. And I think that's how you also grow in your spiritual space, right? Like, you know, Paul, all of like his letters to all these churches were kind of him <laughs> calling them out on everything they were doing wrong at yeah. that time. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Paul must've probably like had a community in all of them and loved people in all of these sects. But at the same time, he was trying to make a point. And I think that it's smart. I think it's smart that we need to challenge it, that we need to talk about it. Um, I don't think that, you know, we should be out here like fighting, <laughs> you know, cl- clergy or people in the church. I-, I think we always have to act with grace and act with love. But um, to me, when that community really changes, if there's something inside of me that spiritually I feel uncomfortable or I feel like I don't belong, that's, that's sometimes just the natural trajectory of your walk of faith, right? We're not meant, I think, to be stagnant all the time. I think mm. we're meant to move. And often when we do move out of that, like whenever I have seen like a huge, huge transitional period in my life, even if I was doubtful, I think in the end, there's like a validation as to like, oh, hey, like I'm, you know, no, like it's, I'm meant to be here now, whether it's you meet new people or you meet a new community or you are able to serve in a new one. Right. Um, So, so I think that that's kind of where it comes from, you know, and and that's kind of what I do is I do think we need to challenge it. And I do think sometimes if we're uncomfortable for a long period of time, like it's something to pray on and it's, yeah. But change I think is normal in the trajectory of faith. It's going to happen. I, I, it's going to happen inevitably. I, I, and I think that that's what it means to walk the walk of faith. It's never going to be easy. It's never, it's never going to be the same. I, I don't think it should be the same personally. Um, I can't speak for everyone, but I think that, you know, in order to like persevere in order to, have your faith kind of become stronger, there are going to be times where you question things and your life like is going to be ambiguous, right? Moving forward. Mm-hmm. So good. Oh, that was a perfect lead up for me to ask you <laughs> about ambiguity. Um, we talked before and you mentioned to me um, one of the things that uh, you've been learning or battling with, but also being reassured of uh, with your walk with God is this ambiguous feeling of, uh, or things that uh, are just ambiguous in your relationship with God in, in the sense of also having faith with him, even though um, things don't, like when you look at other people and you sometimes can end up comparing yourself, like it's not like you don't have these huge miracle stories and such like that. Um, so uh, t- tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, like it's, yeah, I think I told you a prominent theme in my life has always kind of been like ambiguity, right? Like where I wake up one morning and I'm like, am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, is this my calling? You know, and and again, like, um, I feel like a lot of people, you know, for you, you, I think quite, I don't know how early on, but you started kind of knowing that you wanted to be like a pastor, like kind of earlier on, right? That you wanted, that you had kind of a gift of preaching, um, that you could take and roll with. And, and for some people, it's so clear, like that clarity is, is crystal where I'm a worship leader. Yeah. Like I'm going to be a preacher. Yeah. I'm going to be a missionary. Yeah. I'm going to be, you know, w- w- whatever it may be going to ch- child ministries, um, theology. Um, but for me, like it's, I, I find that like my spiritual gifts aren't as, I guess you could say recognized and that like, even I don't know them. Right. Like I can't, you know, I wake up, I'm like, I can't sing. I can't really, I don't like talking in front of people. I don't like doing this. I don't like doing that. Um, so it, it, my 
in terms of my calling, I feel like it's, it's very blind. It's like, and it gets challenging because like, I don't always know if I'm walking in the right direction within that. Right. Because sometimes when people have this God giving talent, they to lead worship, you know what I mean? They, they can stand to the mic and they can sing, or they could go write an amazing song or an amazing album that can move so many people. So in that, they just know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and, and God's given this to me. And this is how I'm going to live to serve. Whereas for me, it's just like, I'm kind of like, okay, like I'm in psychology and neuroscience. I love it. But how can I be used in this sense? Like, is this really where God wants me to be? Am, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, so I think for me, what I needed to realize was kind of, you know, how am I going to, it's not always about some big, how can I put this? Like, I don't think it's going to be always some big thing where like you're, you're made to, to preach to like thousands of people or you're made to write to, to millions of people. I think that sometimes to be a Christian and, and serve God, it just means about those little things. It's waking up and it's, okay, how can I be to a friend to that person at the bus stop today? If someone needs a ride or someone, I can see someone clearly is, is in a tough situation. Like, how can I, how can God use me in, in those little things? Um, so, so that, that's, I think what it means because the, the definition of ambiguity in itself kind of means that it can mean one or two things, right? Like one thing can have multiple meanings. And I think that faith can present itself in multiple settings. So, so that's kind of what I challenge myself with because, you know, having kind of graduated high school late and going through many like stretching seasons in my life um, and seasons where I was like, you know, I want to be in school, but at this time and moment, like I couldn't afford to go to school or it wasn't in the cards for me to go to school. I, I was angry and I was frustrated and I was like, you know, God, like I, I love to learn. Like I have this mind where I genuinely feel so stunted and if I'm not, my head's not in the book. So that was frustrating to me. But I still needed to figure out, okay, like, you know, God's time might not be my time. And in between that, how am I going to gonna serve? It's not that, okay, we just give up and our life becomes stagnant. And we, you know, we just give up until one day, you know, I imagine Jesus is going to walk through the door, you know, like miracle and give me some sort of divine revelation. Like, it's not always going to be like that. It's no every day we have to fight to get up and we try to be happy and in being happy we try to serve and again it, it's through those really little things like it's just about being a good coworker, being a good friend being a good mentor being you know what I mean having like being sleep deprived for four days and trying not to snap at the person at work <laughs> you know it, it, and and that's what I think it is I think with ambiguity it's it's yeah that definition of like can be open to more than one interpretation have like double meanings have yeah. And, and I think that that's what faith is. It's about understanding and accepting that in multiple settings, there are going to be times where like, you know, our calling and stuff is, is unclear. We feel like God might be silent. You know, there's a silence or, or some sort of discrepancy with like prayers and, and waiting to see what happens. So in that time period, rather than just like floating, which can bring me into like a severe depression, right? It can really make me feel stunted. Um, it's just like, okay, well, you know, no, how do I serve today? How do I get up today? How can I find purpose in just this five hours or three hour in a three hour lecture? Mm -hmm. So, wow. wow, no, that's huge, I think, because um, a lot of people go through that. I think 
um, I'm blessed, and I'm, uh, we're all blessed, but I'm, I think I'm kind of lucky to have one of those cheat gifts. I call them cheat gifts because, like you said, there's certain gifts that you can always use, like spiritual gifts that you can use, and because they're on the pulpit, you automatically can just trick yourself to being affirmed because there's a crowd, and then you're like, well, the crowd is worshiping uh, through a gift I'm using. Okay, like I know I'm doing something right. Like automatically, I can kind of trick myself. Um, it's very dangerous because you can get lazy. It's dangerous because you can become unauthentic. But like, yeah, there's this thing that I can do if I'm a pastor, if I'm preaching, I can always just feel like I'm doing what God wants me to do because it's a Christian thing to do. You know what I mean? Um, Because it's the idea that it's God's work. Exactly, exactly. And so um, it's a dangerous thing. But yeah, it's kind of like a cheat gift. But then there's uh, like, what do you do when you're not a preacher, you're not a worship leader, um, when you're not the best are writing devotionals or something like that. Exactly what you're saying. Um, but um, I think God is calling all of us to do these little things and to show uh, his love to people and to find ways to uh, connect with him. And I think that is the calling for everybody, no matter what your gift is. And so um, I just want to ask you, um, first off, thank you again for this conversation and this time uh, today for, for this conversation. But in closing... Yeah. Um, just reflecting on that alone, um, because I think it's an amazing thing that you're able to recognize that and yet still trust God, despite not being able to identify or have like a defined uh, way to show people or to show yourself that uh, you have these gifts. Um, what would you tell somebody who's listening that's struggling to do that? Like, they're like, I have no purpose in like the Christianity church, or I have no way to show people that. I'm, I'm walking with God. I mean, I, yeah, no, not to go off like complete topic, but I think what I would tell them, and I think what I kind of talked to you about, kind of going back to this idea of like, you got to, in, in a weird way, you got to look like at the past, like look at how, it, and it's funny because I think so many people, part of this extreme anxiety and existential crisis and calling of faith is that it's, so future oriented, right? Like, and I think that that's where people get scared. People are like, I don't know what I'm doing. Am I doing this? Does it mean I'm like not a good Christian? Does it mean this? Does it mean that? No, I think that, you know, look back and see like how God has used you in the past. Like, it's even funny when we started this podcast, you said, you're just like, I just remember you being like amp for Jesus, like in high school. And like, I, I don't even remember that. Like, I, I genuinely don't remember that. If, if, someone were to ask me how I think I was remembered in high school, it would literally be like, Oh, a nerd with glasses and like braces. She was kind of weird. You know, she was kind of quiet. Um, but for you to say that it's kind of like, Oh yeah. But you know, looking back, you and I did have some good times. We had like some good conversations. So just looking back and you saying that it's, Hey, maybe like I didn't even know, but God was using me in that moment. And I can look back. And even though, again, I don't have this radical, like spiritual, like gift that's like you said, is so, is, is kind of like what you would expect, you know, I'm not, it's, it's more just kind of, hi, sorry. Good. Thanks. Perfect. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I could, you know, look back and, and remember that time where like, you know, a friend of mine will tell me like, yo, like, you know, th- thank you that one day, like for giving me a ride or, you, you know, thank Like I remember in certain places in certain scenarios where Jesus did kind of give me or God gave me a scenario where, to show God's love and not always verbally, right. Just through action via community being via this. And, and that's what I think. I think people are just very, very hard on themselves. So 
so I think what I would tell them is, is kind of look as opposed to like focusing so much on the future. Um, that's where I think a lot of anxiety comes from and a lot of that, that ambiguity, which can make us feel like doubtful as opposed to looking back on something tangible and being like, yeah, like in that moment, like where God, you know, worked in their life. Um, normally when God works in your life, he, I think spontaneously works in the lives of others around you, sometimes without people knowing. Um, and that's normally because when, you know, God's working in you, often you're just, you know, you start to work in the lives of others. You start to be a better friend. You start to be a better partner and you start to be a better girlfriend. You start to be a better, you know, son or daughter to your parent. Right. Um, and I think that, again, that's, that's just what it's about. Like God always sees your heart. And I think that people just forget that, um, like God gets to the root of our heart and, and our intentions. And I think people just want, people just want to, I think, make a difference and, and really do something radical. Um, but to me, like, you know, being that nice person at the bus stop to that stranger is something radical in, in the same. Like, I, I do believe that God weighs it the same way. You know, it's not like one is better than the other per se. So, so it definitely, to me, it's like, in a way, I think Christians should be like, we need to be like kind of past oriented as much as we are future oriented, <laughs> you know? We really gotta go back and remember kind of the times like God worked in us and worked through us and you know was working in the lives of others around us because then it it gives us confidence that he's going to do it again and timing's everything man timing is like we you know we want things to happen so quickly um and I just think that that's the society we live in today but looking back every year I can see just such a radical change in myself and you know and there's been good years and bad years there's been good months and awful months and and yeah, like I think that everything runs its course and everything has a time. So it's just about trusting. Like I, I might be, you know what I mean? Like I could go into psychology today, but then end up doing like Christian counseling in five years. I could write a psychology book like tomorrow, but who, who's to say that that can't be used like later on within the church, right? So, so we, we don't always know, I think. Um, and I think we need to get comfortable with not knowing because the future is not in our hands, right? It's nothing. We can try to control everything we do every day. But in the end, like, I think it's just God determines our steps. So we might as well just trust that in the moment and, and every day, every minute, just remember that, okay, like, forget about, like, what God's going to call you to do, like, a year from now, five years from now. What's he calling you to do today? 